Welcome to another edition of Wedding Talk Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Brown from the Bridal Association. Today, we get the pleasure of listening to Chris Evans from Bridal Business Bootcamp and the author of How to Double Your Wedding Business in 12 Months, among other books. But before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a quick review. It's what keeps us in the rankings. You can also check out the video from today's podcast on our YouTube page. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. All of the show notes and links from today's interview can be found on our website, WeddingTalkRadio.com. Now sit back and enjoy our interview with Chris. Today, we have the pleasure of, uh, I'd say it's a good friend of mine. I don't know if he would uh, agree with that, but you know, <laughs> on my end, he's a good friend of mine. Um, he is the author of at least one book. Um, you have more than one book or just the one? Uh, I actually have four books, but that's okay. Oh, four. Okay. Well, okay. I have the nice big one, you know. Um, They're all old books, so it's okay. That's okay. And uh, he's spoken at Wedding MBA and all kinds of conferences all over the country, um, teaching people how to grow their business, how to increase their revenue, and just make their lives better, I would say, in general. And I'm going to let him kind of take the floor here. So I'm introducing Mr. Chris Evans from the Bridal Business Boot Camp. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I got to tell you, doing these Zoom meetings is completely different than I've ever done before. Hi, Colleen. Haven't seen you in a million years. Good to see you. Um, wow, what a time we live in, huh? I mean, this is the craziest thing. I'm sitting, uh, my background, by the way, is I'm a show producer. Uh, I started producing trade shows in Las Vegas when I was in high school uh, and stayed with that company for many years until we did the bridal shows. And of course, we did all the Disney stuff and Universal stuff all through the 80s and 90s. And about 2005, I sold everything we had. We had Texas Wedding Expo, Oklahoma Wedding Expo, California Bridal Expo, um, and we basically stopped doing it. Um, this change I saw then that I thought affected the wedding industry that just kind of blew by and everybody just kind of went with it. But if you remember correctly, and I think a few of you have been in the business long enough to remember, when we used to do shows in the 80s and 90s, at Disneyland Hotel, I'd have merchants threatening to sue me if I didn't have two or 3,000 brides show up. They'd say like, oh, you didn't advertise properly or you took our money and ran, you know? I mean, literally the shows, if we didn't have 3,000 brides at a January show, the vendors thought we hadn't done our job. And what I noticed over the 90s was because there was no barriers to entry, literally everybody who walked into my Disneyland Hotel show and saw you know, 385 vendors and 10,000 people, they said, oh my gosh, these guys are making so much money. So they'd go up and they'd start their own bridal show. And the next thing you know, you know, you've got eight little shows in the one big show. And it was just eating up um, because the, the shows have a cost to produce, as all of you well know. I mean, there's a fixed cost. And so um, we saw that in the 90s and we kind of decided that we saw the shows going in a direction other than we wanted to do shows. We didn't want to do kind of smaller shows we just wanted to do the big ones um so we just made a change i started the bridal business boot camps where i've been working with wedding vendors ever since and um my daughter continues on with the bridal business boot camps she's doing the series and the online and that but for me i basically just do consulting and work with trade show guys and that's why right now is kind of a, a revolutionary time i mean we've entered a time where literally in three or four months we're not even sure there's going to be a trade show in January. Who knows? And sure. if the business, if there are trade shows in January, 
they're going to be radically different. I sat on a phone call the other day with about 65 bridal show producers, and they're all talking about, you know, some of them have July and August and September shows, and they're wondering if they can do them. And, you know, if you're in California, the answer is probably no. If you're in some of the other states, the answer might be yes. But in any event, I think the shows are going to be radically different if you can have a show. I mean, I think in the short term, um, we're going to have to do all the social distancing stuff. It's going to be almost like 50% of the attendance. So if you have a show in the past that had 100 brides, um, now you're going to be shooting for 50, 60 brides and calling it a great, fantastic, wonderful show. <laughs> yeah, our next one was actually scheduled for uh, the end of May, which technically it's still scheduled for, but it, obviously it's not. But Well, I mean, you can still do that. You'll be the only one there that day, but you can do it if you want. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and again, it's sad. I mean, it's really sad. You look at people like Nick DeLello, who's had a show down in San Diego for years, very successful show. A few years ago, as a, as a buddy backup, he bought a restaurant, has a really successful restaurant as his backup in case the show business ever went bad. Well, what do you do when on the same day, both your businesses go bad? You know? <laughs> he has 62 employees in his restaurant. What's he do? I mean, he's, he's not dinking around here, you know, uh, doing something part time. So I think the world has changed, but I will tell you this. Here's the cool thing, and this is what I keep saying to Jameson, who's doing continuing on with the boot camps. We started Bridal Expo, our personal trade show business, in 1980. Now, for those of you who weren't alive, and those who were but don't remember, 1980 was uh, Jimmy Carter was just being president. He'd just done. Interest rates were about 21%. The economy absolutely sucked, and every place you went, there was problems, economic problems, and nobody knew how we were going to get out of it. And those years, those first few years of growth um, were unbelievable opportunity. And I think we're facing that right now. I mean, just an example is, I, I know it doesn't matter to the wedding industry, but Tesla is up $100 today alone. All right. It was up like $40 in regular trading. And then after hours, it's up another 75. Wow. So there's huge economic opportunity and not to get political here, when, but when the president says there's unbelievable, untapped economic waiting to go, there is. I mean, you know, you think about it, everybody who's been confined, how many people do you know that have been confined who are talking about going somewhere on a plane or taking a vacation or doing something? They're going to modify the way they do it, right. but they're going to do it just the same. And so I think there's a lot of pent up need. Um, for those of you in the wedding industry, I mean, um, how many of you had weddings cancel as opposed to reschedule? Anybody? Yeah, I've had one. One? Kyle, yeah, uh, Colleen. Yeah. yeah, I had two, I think. I, I, don't, I don't think there's more than two. As far as I'd have to ask Stephen and check again, but I, I think there was only two. Yeah, I think the latest survey I saw was that 4% of the weddings were canceling. And the majority were rescheduling and it, they were only rescheduling through like September. Most of the September brides were thinking they were going to be able to make it just the same. Um, my daughter actually had a couple of weddings in April that actually moved forward, but they did it with under 10 people. Um, so from her coordination standpoint, you know, it changed things radically, but you know, they said she did her job. It wasn't her fault that they couldn't have as many people, but um, the rest obviously delayed and canceled. So I think there's some huge opportunities, but I also think <laughs> That with opportunities, you have to start thinking about, I mean, are we ever going to go back to the day where, you know, 2,000 people pack themselves into a convention hall to meet wedding professionals face-to-face? -face? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, you'd several have to years do down the road, I think. What's that? I say I think that's several 
several years down the road. Yeah, I do too. So I think it means you're going to have to uh, change the way. And what you guys are doing is so smart, uh, getting local control. You know, it's kind of like years ago, if you came to any of the, the wedding MBAs that I spoke at, one of the things I talked a lot about was, you know, in the beginning, everybody was worried about controlling search. They wanted Google search. Everybody wanted to control Google search. And once you got control of Google search, you realized you didn't want control of Google search. What you wanted control of was local search. Because if I owned, you know, wedding gown and somebody from Texas looks you up, what do you care? So with you guys banding together, getting your web page up, getting your, your focus group going, um, it's really, really smart because the way you're going to stand against companies like, and I say stand against in a, in a kind of a weird way I know, but Wedding Wire, The Knot, um, some of those guys who are going to get harder and harder and harder to deal with because they're going to have to generate more income by doing less. Um, but it's all going to be local. You know, you guys don't want to let them get into your market and get control of your local SEO because uh, you should have. It. So you're very smart banding together. Hmm. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And we do, we try and stick together. We have our, our mixers and meetings and, and uh, now we're doing, you know, the zoom meetings on a weekly basis, just trying to keep that, that bond, I guess, mm -hmm. the education going. So what are you guys looking to know about today? What, what questions can I answer for you? Is there anything in particular or just general economics or? I'm going to let you guys uh, jump in if you have a question. Otherwise, I've got a couple of them. But if somebody has something they want to ask Chris, just kind of, you know, raise your hand or, or whatever, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring you on. Um, so as easy as that. But okay, so I guess, Chris, one of the things I, I have for you is right now, obviously, we have, well, we're asked I don't have to, but we're asked to stay home and there are no weddings going on currently, but they will come in the future, obviously. Sure. So what can we do from home that will help to position us in June, July, August, or whenever people start looking again and start really focusing on their wedding? Or is there something that we can do, you know, even sooner than that? What's uh... Possibly. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the general problem you have is the same problem as everybody else. Everybody's sitting at home. I mean, if you've noticed, I've been basically, like I said, we started, I started actually the bridal business boot camps in about 1983 when I realized most of the vendors who were signing up for my show were very good at what they did. They just weren't very good at doing it at a show. Right. So we started educating them how to do business and, and, and we called them merchant maximizer seminars. And then when we stopped doing shows, they became the bridal business boot camp. So, you know, we've been doing this a long time, but I have noticed that uh, during the COVID epidemic here, there's been a rash of brand new online courses for how to make a million dollars in the wedding business. And, you know, everybody was sitting home during the day and they got this stroke of genius where I'm going to make the rest of my income by teaching other professionals how to make money. Right. The secret to the wedding business isn't really, really hard. You just got to remember, it comes back to basics. Look, 99% of the brides who get married know everybody who's participating in their wedding. That's a fact. It's been a fact for years. It continues to be a fact. The American Wedding Study has shown that over and over again. Sometimes they say 95%, sometimes 96%. But the fact is, if they're going to have the ceremony, they know all of the vendors. So the number one thing you need to do is reach out to the brides themselves. And you guys are looking for high-end brides. And fortunately for you, high-end brides are the easiest ones to identify, right? 
Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's more Colleen uh, area. As far well, as I know how to identify. Bride. I tell you what. Okay, okay let me ask you this. Okay. Um, what would you consider a high-end bride? Um, in our market here, I would say a high-end bride would be somebody spending 70, 60, 70,000 or more. Okay, so that's about right. So it's about 150% of median income is typically yeah. a high-end bride. So, so you're going to say $70,000. Our average bride here is about twenty dollars to $21,000. Right. It's the average bride. Right. That's absolutely right. So, all right. So, yeah, let's say a $60,000 bride is a high-end bride. Yep. What do you think the vast majority of those $60,000 brides have that the $20,000 brides don't have besides money? Colleen. <laughs> they have a they have a coordinator. They have some wedding planner. That's right. Yeah. So if I'm gonna, I mean, if I'm gonna deal with the high end brides, I'm gonna wine and dine and know every single wedding coordinator in the market. Period. Colleen's <laughs> got the high end wedding, so I'm gonna know Colleen, and Colleen's not gonna refer anybody to me that she did, anybody that she doesn't know and trust. True. So so from from my perspective, I can spend a lot more money on Colleen, which I know she likes hearing this, um, <laughs> than I spend on the knot. And I might actually be a lot better off because she can turn me five or 10 weddings in a year. How many can the not turn me? True. And not only that, um, but you know, we're all going to pounce on Colleen here. We love you, Colleen. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and you, get, you understand, I'm but, not saying only Colleen. But no, I no, mean, but my, my, you know, my, my. There are, there are wedding planners in the market who basically are the high-end wedding planners. And those are the ones I'm going right. to deal with. But what I was going to say was, is where, where it's also different. One, there's a personal relationship. I don't know. I mean, you and I do know like Sonny and stuff like that, but, but we don't know the person who is promoting us on Wedding Wire or The Knot. It's just a, a website that's there that's saying, here's this person who paid us the most, and here's six other people that we're recommending. Whereas Colleen or the other coordinators in town are sitting down with the bride and saying, I've worked with this person before. I have an experience with them. I know what they can do. I know what they're doing. Uh, thoughts, Colleen? Uh, I, I was going to say one of the things I've, that we were just talking about, because we've been doing, um, we call them fairy God, we call them fairy Fridays, and we've been having a conference call with my newer team and some of the vendors so that they can meet the group, you know, mm -hmm. that we work with. Um, and we realize that, you know, part of our frustration is that we, we have started tracking the amount of referrals that we give out, and it's quite large but we don't receive the referrals, as many referrals. Well, well, a big part of that is because we have to refer the business out because we're building the wedding. Where a photographer or a DJ, you know, they don't, they don't have to because their job's done, or our job is building the whole team. So what we've been sharing with a lot of our, we like to call them like business partners, is that we, we want the referrals as much as you do. And we've been trying to teach them um, that a good referral is not, you know, hey, Kyle, I gave your card out today. A good referral is, Kyle, here is a bride, here's her date, here's her budget, here's her location. And I told her that I gave you her number. And we tell our brides, like when we give a referral, we tell them, I'm giving Kyle your phone number, so if you don't reach out to him, he is going to reach out to you. So, and that's the kind of referrals we want, is we want we want a referral like that. So trying to teach business partners how to yeah. give others referrals is a big deal. Well, you know, we did in Florida, we had um, uh, Boca Golf Club. They were having a hard time. And like most wedding reception locations, 
Um, they had a tremendous amount of vendors who wanted to be on the VIP list and they were referring a tremendous amount of professionals and they didn't see much coming back in the other direction. Uh, so what they, all they did, and it was really, really simple, is they just started, they, they decided they have two types of referrals. They had charity and they had business. So charity referrals were uh, referrals they gave to people because they felt they were best for the job or they needed. They didn't expect anything from it. It's just a referral. It's go for it. And then business was, hey, you, you want me to refer you because you like us and we like you. And that's a business relationship. So whenever they, had the, they, all they did is at the end of each year, they just sent everybody a little report saying, this is how many weddings we referred to you. And this is how many you referred to us. Looking forward to a, 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 a great 2021. We, and, we actually, and, literally, we and, they actually said, and they said, literally, they instantly, they started getting more referrals. We just started doing that this year. And it, it you know, I knew that we give out a lot of business, but it's a lot. And so at the end of the year, I'm anxious to see what those numbers end up because they're big numbers, especially yeah, for, yeah, for the photographers, it's, you know, three and $4,000 a pop. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So do we have any DJs? No oh, DJ. All right. How's it, how's the DJ biz right now? Terrible. Yeah. Uh, horrible. Uh, we had, uh, I'd say average, we had about three weddings a weekend booked through March, April, and May. Um, now. So, uh, I mean, a lot of them have moved to July, August, September, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping we can get some of those going, you know, but I, I right now I'm fearing that uh, we're not even going to be able to do anything in July or August because... I mean, yeah. And if we go back to normal, if you will, with you know the stay-at-home orders being dropped, whatever, people are still going to have that fear of you know being in big groups, uh, large settings, because you know that's that's how people are. So as of right now, uh, I still have, like I said, I think I only had two cancellations total. I still have everything going, but I have absolutely nothing on my schedule until mid-June. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. We were talking the other day. They, in, in the heyday, at the August Disney show, we had one aisle that was 16 feet wide and about 350 feet long. And we'd run a fashion show every 45 minutes throughout the day. And there'd be this line to get in. And in the August show, literally people were packed in so tight that we'd usually have one or two people pass out because it was so hot. And it, we actually joked about it. We said, you know, in the 90s, we used to figure whether it was a good fashion show or not by how many people passed out waiting in line. You're never going to see that type of thing again. You're never going to get a crowd of people to stand, you know, 600 people in line waiting to get somewhere. So I think we've just got to figure out how to do it and I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's it's going to be quite as one-on-one -on -one as it used to be I think Colleen's always going to be one-on-one -on -one with them but I think for a lot of these wedding services and that they're not necessarily going to want to get to know you they just want to know you can do the job well mm. I don't know I mean I, I'm not a DJ so you might have a different experience well my only my only you know I guess rebuttal if you will to that would be you know Colleen's the coordinator right yep. Colleen coordinates, she does, you know, or her team does. Um, as So I'm a, you know, DJ, MC, we do all that stuff also. So for me, if I'm going to bring, you know, my family, my friends, everybody, two, 300 people together in a room, and I'm going to hand this guy a microphone and say, here, 
you do this, you talk to everybody, you deal with it. I personally would want to know who that person is, uh, the way that they talk, the way that they function and how they do things before I hand them a microphone and say, here, you run my wedding. So I think I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that I think what you'll find those a lot a lot more people love to look on, on video. Um, you know, um, people will be looking at your websites and your videos a lot more, maybe. Um, I think a lot of testimonials, I would load up on testimonials like Matt. I think I still have a testimonial from Colleen on one of my websites. Um, so I would load up on testimonials and make sure that the first thing they see on the website isn't necessarily how wonderful you are from you, but how wonderful you are from them. And then, um, and of course, you know, my whole theory, for any of you who've ever been to the bridal business boot camps that we did, um, my whole theory is very, very simple. Number one, you don't sell your product, you create desire for it. You don't have to sit there and sell them on buying your product, you just have to know how to create desire. Um, and number two is it's just not confrontational at all. It's all about one-on-one -on -one consultative selling, but knowing that there's a way to close the sale. So it's always features, advantages, and benefits, and always moving to the end. And your website should be the same thing. My point is, we always used to teach that the way you judged a bridal show was by how many visits you had when you walked out the door and we showed you a system to book a lot of visits. Well, we've got to judge the website in the same way. How many brides is it bringing through the door? And if, if your website isn't generating leads, you need to do that. And there's a million different ways to do that. We did a test with this. Uh, Kyle, do you have the uh, do you have the cards, the ring cards? The which one? I, I, I don't. You don't have the ring cards. The ring cards, no. Okay, so there was a, there was these cards that I've got thousands of them around. I'll send you some. Um, okay. And what it was is is it's it, it's a legit deal. It's a company where if you send in the card, they legitimately have real wedding bands. I mean, real titanium bands. It's it's a legit deal. You send in the card. $22 in shipping, they send you a thing. I've got hundreds of these bands we used to use as samples and stuff. My point is it's a wedding band and they're legit nice wedding bands. It's not some hokey thing that you're gonna have a certificate that you've got to mail to somewhere to turn in and that nonsense. We ran a website called um, freeweddingbands.com. We put it into a local market with Facebook, registered just a ton of brides and every time they registered, we sent them one of the cards in the mail. They got the card in the mail. They got a free set of wedding. But you know what I got in exchange? I got all the bride's information. And I'm not like what she needs, who she is, what her dress size is, just name, address, wedding date, so that I could get her to come to the show. We used it in Pittsburgh. And we generated an extra two, 300 brides through the door just from that promotion alone. So you guys, that's available. And you guys as a group could use it too. Hey, you know what? You're going to go to, if you use three of these vendors, we can get you some wedding bands at absolutely no charge. I'll send you the cards. Yeah. And what I want you to do is call them and get them to send you a sample of the ring so that you feel real confident when you do it. It's a pretty good little promotion. Okay. And, yeah. and I will tell you about 99% of the bridal show producers around the country who use this promotion didn't do it effectively because what they did was they'd say, oh, come to the show and get a, a, a card. Well, they didn't understand what the card was. They didn't know anything about it. You kind of got to sell the sizzle a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The card's so, the marketing. So that's one of the promotions and you know, you guys could even link it together where if you use other association members, maybe you get something extra. I'd start definitely working together as a group and making sure that when one bride gets in the circle, she doesn't get out until her pockets are empty. I think that's a great idea. I had a guy by the name of Chris Martins working for me one time on a set on a fashion show. He actually spent years at Disney and I don't know if the story is true or not, but it's what he told me. He said he was, um, it's Disney lore that, 
Walt Disney is standing in New Orleans Square. Just before he passed away, he had an apartment up there. Mm-hmm. And he's up on the balcony of the apartment. There's thousands of people walking by. And he's kind of standing back in the shadows looking at everybody. And he says to the guy next to him, look at all those people with my money in their pockets. And that's why slowly over the years you've seen, you can't go nine feet. You can't walk nine feet in Disneyland without having a reason to spend money. You can buy a banana. You can buy a Coke. You can buy a Pepsi. You can buy everything. And all that's designed to do is to make sure that whatever cash you walk into when you get in the park, you do not have when you walk out. You want to be, be the same way when you get a bride into your network. True. You know, bridal show for that matter. Absolutely. You want to find out what her needs are, fill her needs, but make sure you work together as kind of a wolf pack. And I, and when we did the whole, remember when we did the whole 2020 thing where we were on 2020 and Elizabeth yes. Vargas was all pissed off because we were saying we called it um, ruthless sales techniques. That's what she hated. She hated that I called the seminar ruthless sales techniques. And, and what I mean is I really believe that if you create desire and you fe- uh, features, advantages and benefits and you're helping the bride out, you're helping them. You're giving, creating the wedding of their dreams. So how could that possibly be a bad thing? That's a good thing, right? Yes. It's like last night I was talking to a buddy of mine on the phone and he had a bunch of stuff going on and he's frustrated. You know, at first he was frustrated because he couldn't go to work. And then all of a sudden he says, I sat down and it occurred to me, wait a minute, are you telling me I just got a 60 day paid vacation? are you kidding me? I just got a 60 day pay. I just found a sponsor to start my new business and he's been working on his new business the last 30 days. So, you know, it's all in how you look at things too. I think that uh, we're going to come out of this. I think the brides are going to be different, but I do think if I'm a wedding professional, there's huge opportunities. Huge. Awesome. Do do you think Chris, that weddings are going to, because we've been talking our team about, you know, we're used to doing these huge weddings of 200 and 250. Do you think that we should pivot and yep. put packages together for like 50 and 100 and just lower the packages? And Yep. I, I, the average wedding has always been about 150, right? I mean, for the, the average. And so um, I think now, and actually I was talking to my daughter, the same thing. Um, and I think if you listen to her podcast, by the way, the Bridal Business Bootcamp podcast, um, she does a new one every week and she's always interviewing people. Um, and I think really, I'd call it almost like a, a wedding in a box. <laughs> you know, you got a 50 person and a hundred person wedding. And, and the cool thing now, when you think about this, and this is uh, on Facebook, I said this the other day, and I was kind of getting beat up a little bit about it. But when you think about it, if I'm a reception location and let's say I charge $30 a head and you come to me with a wedding with 200 people, but I can't take it. Whereas I could in the past, but now I can't, now I can only take hundred and I decide to use you at a hundred, there's a whole bunch of budget there that originally would have gone to that reception location that's not gonna be spent now. And it's not like that money just disappeared, it's there. She obviously had it. She's just having a hundred people less. So if the money is available, it just means she might be able to have spend more money in other areas, right? So this could be actually a huge opportunity because the reception location doesn't automatically take 50% of the budget anymore. Now they maybe only take 25% of the budget. Same with a caterer. You yeah, know, exactly. Their, their I'm saying down. Yeah, it, it, they're limited in the number. They're, they're the ones whose income has been limited, not you. And that's kind of cool. That's an Actually, opportunity right there. That's a really, a really good perspective that I don't think we've really thought about before. You know, the fact that, like you said, if they had the budget of $100,000 and they were going to have 250 people, they still have a budget of $100,000 
but now they're they having have, they just can't have the same number of people right so now they can have a better dj or a better event um producer you know somebody like colleen or you know they can fly or flowers huh more flowers or flowers so nobody, nobody who does flowers is on the call today. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who cares? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But they can they can go back to getting a nice tuxedo, you know, or whatever the case is. They've got more to spend across the board, you know, based on the number of people. So that's it's going to be interesting because I know some of some of the issues that brides um, have is that trying to limit their guest count. I mean, a lot of our brides, they don't want to have 200 guests. Yes. They, they prefer to have 100, 150, but it's hard to cut the parents off or the family off. Or, it just got yeah. easier, didn't it? Yeah. It yeah. just got a lot easier. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh man, you know, they could only have 100 people. Sorry. Go ahead and send your check to them though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gifts can come here, you know, wherever here is. Um, so, so obviously that's a good thing is, is in this time to really build a relationship with the um, event producers out there. Um, and probably on top of the event producers, the venues and um, the gown shops. Those are some of the first places that the bride is going to go. She doesn't come to the DJ first or the honeymoon first or the tuxedo first or you know, the lighting guy, um, or even honestly, or even the cakes first, they come to them, but they come to them after they go to the gown or they go to the venue. Who are your formal wear dealers? So we have, uh, David's bridal. We also have, um, generally speaking, we have two local owned gown shops. Um, one is ladies and gents and she owns two shops. And then there is enchanted bridal. And they own a shop here in town. And I, I think I think the formal wear business is a business that will probably change quite a bit. We do have a formal wear here with us today. Uh, Victor is actually uh, owns uh, Topper's Tuxedo. Oh, there you Okay, good. Hey, yeah, Victor. So. I, I, I just I, I I see resistance more than in the past. Yeah. I see I see that um, some of the younger people who are moving away from tuxedos anyhow, there's they're going to have a little bit more resistance to to renting a tuxedo. So your sales may go up as far as retail, but I, I think the rental business is going to shift dramatically quickly, by the way. Now, Victor, I'm going to unmute you for, for a moment. What besides um, tuxedos do you do? Because you're, out, you're out in Delano, right? Yeah, I'm on Delano, which is about 35, 40 miles north of Bakersfield. Uh, totally different demographics, a lot more quinceaneras that I do. Ah, good. I do have a retail shop, uh, tuxedo rental, but I also do... Uh, wait staff uh, on, on weekends. Uh, so we provide the staff to, um, you know, cater to your guests, cut the cake, prep the toast, dot, 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 bartending sure. service. Um, so you provide the food, we provide the staff to service your guests. We cool. love Victor's team. That's oh, great. That's great. Hey, you know, I actually, when we were first married, the first uh, six years we were married, our first two houses we owned in Fresno. We lived in Fresno for seven, seven years total. I'm sorry. I mean, cool. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was, fun. We were exactly Fresno's perfect, nice. it's... it was a perfect time, the perfect place for us. We lived in the ghetto in Fresno. It was great. We loved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I think what and I'm kind of reiterating myself a little bit, but you know, going back to building those relationships, going out to lunch, um, 
meeting at the monthly networking meetings that we do. It's what I try to explain to people is the monthly networking meetings that we do are not so that you can hear me talk about the latest things going on with the industry. It's more so that Kyle can hang out with Victor and Leland can talk to Blair and, and Lauren can talk to hey, Kyle. You're really breaking up. Is, am I the only one that's missing him or are all of you missing him? I can hear him. You're the lucky one. <laughs> I can hear you very well. I can see your picture and your face and your voice. Awesome. And, and uh, so that, that, that's my, my thought was is building those relationships with them is probably more important than just about anything else, especially right now. You know, maybe it's a phone call, again, maybe it's lunch, um, whatever it might be, but just making sure that you're always top of mind with the different uh, event producers out there. Also, something that I want to add about the advertising or being together and offer something. I'm from Utology Medical Aesthetic. We offer different kinds of facials, laser hair removal, Botox, stuff like that. That I think that all the brides, grooms, uh, the families, everybody likes to, you know, have it before their big day. Uh, I'm definitely in if you guys want to send them any cards or anything. I would like to be, you know, part of that. Awesome, Deborah. By the way, Deborah, if you if you're on a computer, if you could put your contact information in the chat room, that would be great. Actually, uh, uh, Kyle, this is uh, I zoom with my uh, my daughter's uh, username. Her name is Deborah. I'm Sarah. Oh, Sarah. You know, yes, uh, I'm from Utology Medical Aesthetic. Right. I think that you know me. Oh yeah, there you are. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll change your name real quick. <laughs> no worries. Hey, Kyle. Yes. Hey, Kathy. Kathy hey. from Tasteries. Hey, um, I. Going back about five minutes, I didn't want to interrupt, but you were all talking about the trends and what to look forward to this um, summer and where we see the wedding industry for Kern County going. Yep. Um, I might be able to shed a little bit of light on that. Um, out of about a 80 to 90 weddings that we have right now that have been postponed for the summer or fall, probably about 25 to 30 of the brides have done small intimate weddings um, at their home and we've been doing little cakes for them and they're planning on doing larger receptions but the majority of them are saying that they only want to have 50 to 75 people um, they're cutting way back then the ones that are postponing um, like i'm not sure of the logic in this but several are postponing to the fall and even December thinking this is going to be over and you know who knows if we're going to get a second wave or whatever but I would say out of the 80 or so brides that um, we have that were supposed to have their weddings with us in um, March and April and May those weddings pretty much have decided to do the late summer early fall so I think that's what we need to, and in Kern County, I'm not sure, you know, outside, but just from my customers, my clients, um, that's what we've seen. And I've only, honestly, I've only had, what, Mike, maybe 10 that have actually canceled their wedding and have already, we've done something small for them at their house. Okay, and just to give perspective for those that don't know, which is very rare, somebody doesn't know who Kathy is and Mike, uh, they own Tasteries Bakery here in Bakersfield, 
and they are, I would say, they're probably the largest bakery in Kern County. They probably do the most weddings. Um, how many would you say before this, of course, that you, you do on average a year? We usually average anywhere between eight and 12 to 14 a weekend. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. So, so you definitely have a unique perspective and, and uh, you definitely get some good information that, that the rest of us don't, you know, I'll do one a weekend, you know, Kyle might do two or three. Um, well, in January, I usually meet with anywhere from 150 to 200 brides. And then in the spring or after Valentine's, yeah. <laughs> you know, then it's a lot, you know, a few, several others. Awesome. Um, well, cool. So, yeah, uh, uh, Victor, go ahead. Yeah, this uh, question is for uh, um, uh, Chris. Um, earlier, you had mentioned that, that that you foresee resistance in tuxedo rentals. Um, what 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 makes you say that? What what is it that you're kind of referring to as far as the resistance and and uh, renting tuxedos going forward? Uh, was that directed to me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I've got really, really bad sound. So the question was, I saw changes coming. What were they? Is that the question? So his question, uh, can you hear me better, Chris? Yeah. Okay, his question was basically, you talked about the resistance towards formal wear rentals uh, going forward. And he's asking basically what, what that means or I'm how sorry. you... I'm sorry, I've lost all the audio completely. So the question was about formal wear rentals. Yes. Do you want to jump out, jump back in real quick and see if that fixes it? Kyle, you just want to call me on the phone real quick? Yeah. Let me call him real quick. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm not hearing anything. That's okay. This will be one of those points, like I was telling everybody else, that, um, you know, we're going to edit out. <laughs> this is also part of the new world we live in. Because we hear Chris fine. His voice I can, yeah. I, I can, can hear everybody, everybody just fine. Not great. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's Chris's internet. Um, Okay, sorry about that. That's okay, yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you want to jump out real jump quick out real and jump back, and jump back in? No, go ahead, if you can hear me. Yeah, we can all hear you. So the question that Victor was asking is earlier you talked about, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, so the question that, that Victor was asking is you had mentioned formal wear uh, rentals being changing, the, the look of formal wear rentals. And he was basically asking where, uh, where you think it's going. Why, why do you see that trend possibly coming? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, and again, that's, I got it. Okay. okay. The, the trend I see coming is less rentals. Um, and the reason I think there will be less rentals is because people are a lot more aware of COVID and germs and everything else. And there's a perception um, when, it's the rental business. I mean, you know, one of the most effective ads that was ever run in the 80s was run against Friar Tuxedos by Gary's Formal Wear and, and, and basically was implying that their suits were dirty and, and their business took a hit. I can't imagine the entire world is going through a crisis here with bacteria or virus or whatever it is and people are going to be jumping up and down three months from now to rent Formal wear. I think it's going to be a long time before that side of the business so, comes back. So, Chris, it's a personal opinion. I could be wrong. Can you hear me now, Chris? Yeah, I can. Okay. So maybe, and this is just an idea. It's kind of one of those things where sometimes stating the obvious, and everybody does this, but stating the obvious could help Victor's business. So, something like, okay, Victor, do you yeah. and does all formal wear companies do they wash their tuxedos after they get rented? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something everybody does, right? 
Right. But maybe as part of your marketing, you say something like, like, you know, we clean and sanitize our tuxedos after every single rental. Well, duh. But you stating that is setting you apart. You know, you know, the, like you talked about the, the ad against Friar Tux back in the day, you know, Friar Tux, they weren't dirty tuxedos. They were dirty when they got them, but they still washed them just like everybody else. It's just stating the obvious and maybe that helps a little bit. It won't. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I just think it's a challenge you're going to face. I'm, I, I think that people are going to be more aware of, you know, cleanliness. And I think anything that has a perception of not being cleanly um, isn't, isn't going to survive very long. Well, and that's why all the Taco Bells are going out of business. But anyhow, that's a joke. <laughs> well, that's like one of the things that um, in an earlier interview with Alan Berg, one thing that he had mentioned, which I thought was really very good, he said, if they don't see it, it didn't happen. So it's kind of the same thing. If they don't hear about it, you're not doing it. So in your case, Victor, they're not going to see you washing the tuxedos. But if you make it known that this has been clean and sanitized, whether it's on a sticker on, on the, the case that they get, or it's in the paperwork that you send out or the flyer, you're setting yourself apart for something that is normal mm -hmm. that people mm -hmm. are doing. I mean, call it the Sani 500 if you want. I don't know. All my, all my clothes have been sanitized 500. I don't know. You can, you can figure it out. But yeah. I do think it's something. The other thing that's cool about that, by the way, is, again, one of, the, one of the things in sales, and this isn't new, it's been around forever, one of the easiest objections to overcome in the sales process is the objection that never comes up. So if in the process of explaining about your formal wear during the explanation process, you already talk about how cleanly, how they're clean and how you sanitize them, that question's never going to come up later down the road when they say, oh, I don't want to rent formal, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of us can do that in our business. You know, we all have, uh, all have squeeze points, pressure points in our business that we seem to run into over and over and over again. And we're always going, oh man, how do we handle I found the easiest way to handle most of that stuff is by just approaching it up front in the process, the information process in the beginning, and it never comes up as an objection down the road. Okay. Right on. Helped a lot. Thank you. Awesome. Does anybody else have a, uh, a question for, uh, for Chris that you'd like to ask or something for clarification or just thoughts? Booze? Anybody, anybody have any booze? <laughs> I, have a, I have a question, Chris. Yes. What are some good ways to promote the small weddings? The small weddings? Like what a you, mean, you, want to, you want to attract small weddings? So, Colleen, are, are you talking about when you say promote small weddings? Are you talking more um, promote that, the, that you should have a smaller wedding or promote to get the brides to contact you or having smaller weddings who may not think that they need an event coordinator? Correct. Event, event planner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm working on, by the way, not calling you a coordinator. <laughs> It's a big thing in our industry. What what did what do you want to be called? So, uh, event planner. Yeah. There, oh, event planner. There's a there's a big focus in our industry right now is to stop calling the position a coordinator because, well, at least for us, we do so much more than just coordinate things. Um, so we actually about two years ago changed our title to event producer because we produce an entire event. We don't just coordinate a section of it. Okay. Right, so from now on, I'm an information manager. <laughs> I, I, I assimilate information, so I'm an information manager. I was looking at ways that um, 
you know, if, if we're going to have to promote, and maybe it's just the same way you promote anything else, I feel like, you know, we're going to have to really show that we, because I think people look at Fairy Godwin and they go, oh, they do the big weddings, which we do, but I think we're going to have to pivot and show we do smaller weddings as well. I think you're going to pivot and show the quality that you've always been known for. I can't believe this. These guys handle weddings of like four and 500 people. And now can you believe it? They've got a package for a hundred brides or less. This is amazing. I mean, what's the chances that this could happen? It only took COVID to make something like this happen. Here you've got the biggest wedding event planner in Bakersfield who does the biggest weddings in town. And now all of a sudden that quality is available for a, a bride of under a hundred people. That's amazing. Okay. Well, I think I'd start selling 2021 dates today. I, um, so for us, we do, one of the things that we tell people is, uh, you know, we do events for the working class because we are the working class. And so while we do charge, I mean, we charge about average for, for an event, depending on what you're looking for, because we do more than just DJs. But, um, you know, we, we talk about how we are, we are the working class who work for the working class. And, uh, that seems to click with people a lot, you know, where, because we, one of our biggest, okay. Being a DJ, it's a really saturated market and sure. a lot of the other people in the industry, you know, there's different styles of DJs and a lot of them don't have the professional, uh, you know, I don't even know how to word it, but you know, one of the things that we get asked a lot is, Hey, why do you charge this when so-and-so only charges this? And our biggest answer to that is, Hey, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, we show up in suits, ties, uh, you know, we have all clean prepared music. We are, you know, well, I mean, Kyle Taylor, everybody can attest to this. I'm not the, uh, cleanest talking person i use a lot of profanity all the time but when i'm on the microphone that's completely different and you know we have to uh portray that and show them that hey we're not going to show up in cargo shorts and you know right. play some song that drops the f-bomb all the time but we are still people you know and and part of part of our big marketing strategy is that we work for the working class and if you took some of that maybe and kind of push that out there, that might help you. That helps us a lot. So if, if sure. that helps, you know. Sure. How, how do you think that does with the high-end bride? You know, I, I, it I, understand it's a, yeah. I understand it's a much smaller segment. I mean, you're playing around in the 80% of the market, which is your playground. But yeah. for that top 10%, um, that probably doesn't play well to them. But that doesn't mean you can reach out to them, too. Uh, you know, we do a couple high-end events. The thing is, is we do a lot of events. And so, for example, if you go on Wedding Wire, we have four or five hundred some five-star reviews from Brian. Wow. We have a huge, huge number of, of good reviews. So we get outreach from everybody. And, That's good. you know, one of the things that we really, okay, and we will do events for everybody. We have, I mean, me and my business partner, you know, there's the two of us, and then we have five or six other guys that we use for any event and we have different people for different styles of events if it's a high-end event you know or a high-end bride seventy sixty thousand dollars whatever we put the number on 
that's probably going to be one that me or my business partner is going to take on only because it is a high end event. Um, but we, we get, we get reached from everybody. Um, and, and I mean, you know, our pricing is pretty much what it is. We, you know, we negotiate very little, but a lot of high end brides that we've talked to, uh, come to us. They, they enjoy the level of professionalism that we present and they like the price because we charge less than some of the other, uh, like for example, freestyle here in Bakersfield, they charge, uh, significantly more than we do. Um, we do mostly, you know, most of the same things, but we are, you know, less expensive and they like that because we still maintain the big corporate, you know, we're professionals, but we're a lot cheaper. So we do okay. Um, but our, our main market is, if it's working, don't change it. Yeah. I mean, our, our main market is like you said, that big 80 percentile where you have, you know, the $20,000, $25,000 bride. And I don't, you know, I don't mind that at all. It's paying the bills. No, it's for my kids through college. I mean, you know, you've got you've got ten uh, percent, which is the high end. You got eighty percent in the middle, and you got the ten percent, which I call um, kegger brides. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're having a kegger in the backyard. And by the way, when we were married, we were kind of kegger brides. So, I mean, it's not saying anything bad. It's just they don't have the budget. I call them budget brides. Yeah. But like yeah. one thing for us is we also market to venues because, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. with um, you know recommendations going a long way. If I get a phone call sure. from a bride that Sure. I got a recommendation from Colleen. I mean, first of all, my hands shaking because I'm like, what? Like that, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, and, and, you know, not to say anything, you know, but getting a recommendation from someone like Colleen goes a long way because at that point I don't even have to sell. I really don't because if I have Colleen backing no, you're me absolutely right. or Kyle Brown backing me, that it's goes so huge. I mean, that, that takes off. And so for us, we actually have a couple different venues that we work with who do, um, they cater to the lower end, the budget brides, as we call them. We have a couple venues who cater to the median. And then we have, you know, a couple uh, venues and, you know, um, planners, producers who cater to the higher end brides. And a lot of our events, actually, I, I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, our budget brides, we have a, a, a venue in town that's called the Old Town Chapel, and they booked us, I think we had 60 events with them booked for the year by January. Oh, good for you. And so, you know, like I said, we do everything, and our pricing is pretty much the same throughout. So, awesome. Excellent. Hey, uh, Kyle, I'm, I've got about another 10 minutes here. Yep. So basically some final thoughts, I guess, uh, from you, Chris. So obviously the first thing that we, the most important thing I think that we've learned is to wine and dine Colleen. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, Just because I'm the only planner on the phone. It could well, be that's that's not exactly true, but you're you're awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah. caveat tasteries also has a, a, a creative touch and she does uh, some event producing as well. Um, uh, you gotta get, gotta leave from some for someone else. Right. Colleen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like the idea of planning because, you know, coordinating, if you will, is more of what I do. Well, as because I, say, I have to sit down and go, okay, look, here's what we're going to do at this time. This is the song we're going to play. This is how this is going to go. And then I work with Colleen who put the whole thing together 
and we sure. kind of mesh, you know, and we work it out because day of I'm the front man, you know, I'm the one on the microphone. I'm the one who everybody's going to know, you know, I might shout out Colleen for planning the event and Colleen's going to be in the background. Everybody's going to see the lady walking around with a walkie talkie, <laughs> but I have a microphone in my hand and I'm the one who, you know, has to do pretty much everything that day, not everything, but I have to run right. everything that day. So right. one of the best um, analogies that I heard years and years ago, I think was somebody explained the position of a DJ um, was basically the bride and groom are like the executive producers of a movie. They've scouted the location. They've hired the talent. They've, they've done those things. And then they turn to somebody like Colleen to produce it. And, and she's the executive producer. You know, they're, they're, they're the budget. They're the ones who are, are the owners of this production. And then she's the producer and we're the director. We follow the, the directions of the producer and the owners. And together we make a phenomenal movie. So that's, I think that's a, a good analogy. And I, I think that's one of the things we love is when a bride or a groom does come to us early, we can help them to build a really strong team. And when you have people like SK, I mean, I, we did a wedding with them at Manji and you literally can hand at, at a certain point, you just hand off the rest of the wedding to them. And you, you hire the business partners because you trust them and know that, you know, you don't need to do their job. They know their part right. and a good event producer will let go and not control what everybody else has been hired there to do. True, true. If we all work, if we all work together, then it creates a better event for the client, the bride and groom. But yeah. So, so Chris, any any final thoughts? Any things you want to share with us before we uh, let you go back? No. To the, again, the, I just go back to my original my original thing. It's number one bridal business boot camp podcast. Yes, um, exactly. If you want to tune in, that'd be great. Um, but again, the only other thing I'd say is I know right now, every time you turn on the news, we're hearing a lot of crap and a lot of nonsense going on. And we're going to be listening to it all the way through November. There's going to be nothing but BS everywhere. Um, but don't lose sight of the fact that there's huge opportunity right now. Right now is the time where you can set yourself up to where, you know, three, four or five years from now, you're just soaring because the economy is going to come back. And when the economy comes back, people are going to spend money. And when people spend money, they're going to need you. So, you know, don't lose hope. Just hang on because uh, it is coming. So it might um, be time to expand too, by the way. No better time to grow than in a recession. So time to go out and buy some more DJ stuff, train a few more people, and uh, own a second or third uh, location there from the formalware business. There you go. So um, how, do, how do people get in, in touch with, you know, Bridal Business oh. Boot Camp? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you have the you have the bridal business bootcamp.com <laughs> yeah and of course search bridal for business. um the the okay the, so let me just okay. in, let me just in closing tell you why this is this way my daughter picked up the mantle for the boot camps about 18 months ago and she literally has been um in the wedding business since she was born um and she's 38 now um but what's funny is about a year and a half ago, I actually took on a contract at the time and I'm actually managing what they call a property business improvement district. So I have 110 businesses within my district. It's almost like a state thing. And what I do is I actually work with homeless people all day long and drug addicts because right now California doesn't really have any homeless people. We have a lot of drug addicts that they like to call homeless, but 
anyhow, so every morning I'm out, I'm working with homeless people, I'm getting them the help they need, the counseling. They don't want any of it, by the way, they don't take any of it. Um, and so then comes enforcement, then we got to move them along and do the things we got to do. But I work with 110 businesses, helping them to grow their business every day. But at the same time, we take care of all the security in that part of town. We take care of all the maintenance net. We supervise everything that goes on within that section of Sacramento. And it's a blast. I'm having fun. Wow. It sounds like it's a- kind of frustrating right now with all the jails being closed because of <laughs> the COVID. But, uh, For sure. But, uh, you know, I've so, been threatened with that about three times this week alone, but it's all right. Wow. So all of the, uh, anything that was talked about today, we're going to put into the show notes. Um, I will have uh, his books in there. I'll have, uh, once we have it, I'll have the information about the ring in there and uh, I'll find yeah, out. Let, let me give you a quick rundown because I will tell you, I haven't done a book now in two years. So right. um, the, 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 the granddaddy of them all is how to double your wedding business in the next 12 months. Right. That book is phenomenal. It's been around a long time. It's been updated three or four times. Everything in that book is still current except the social networking section. Um, <laughs> talks about MySpace. And, I'm kidding. What's that? I said it talks about no. MySpace. <laughs> no, but I will tell you the original version of that book that came out in 2010 under social networking, it basically said, don't bother. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of like the whole chapter was really came down to, it's not even important enough yet to worry about. That was in 2010. By the time we did the update in 2012, that had changed. But um, And then we have how to convert Facebook likes into customers. That's a little dated. Um, but the secret to sales success, which is available on uh, Amazon, um, Secret to Sales Success was very cool. That was a, a, a lot of fun. I, I had a good time. And that really is more about the system of selling and than necessarily awesome. selling to brides. Awesome. And that will be actually on your profile page on uh, Wedding Talk Radio. So all of those will be there. If they're available on Amazon, they'll cool. all be there. Um, I'll put a link to your daughter's podcast uh, information, Perfect. the website, um, and all the show notes. So thank you so much for uh, being here and uh, imparting some of your knowledge and and we really appreciate well, thanks it. for having me on i appreciate it absolutely I like the artwork behind you oh <laughs> she likes the artwork oh yeah this is uh this is called my office now it used to be my daughter's bedroom <laughs> so but I didn't, they're all going like you're going to take that stuff down i'm like no i like it i like it it's pretty my office is a spare room in my house. all right you guys thank, thank you, you so Chris. much have a great thank day you. thank you so Bye much now. well Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed our interview today with Chris Evans from Bridal Business Bootcamp. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast service. And if you want to check out the video from today's podcast, you can find it on our website, WeddingTalkRadio.com, and click on Chris Evans. You'll also find all the show notes and any website links that were mentioned throughout the podcast on that page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.